0: Welcome to the Landmark Podcast. I'm Jason Calhoun, pastor of Landmark Pentecostal Church in Texarkana, Texas. We encourage you to visit us on the web at landmarkupc.net for a schedule of services and upcoming events. We pray that you are blessed by the message today. Thank you again for listening. Into the Word of the Lord, uh, to Deuteronomy uh, chapter number 28, and I want to mention this not because it was such uh, great preaching or a great preacher, but if you weren't able to be here this past Sunday night, uh, we want to make that CD available to you, and um, maybe that just be your homework assignment. You could pick that up. Sister uh, Trishel or someone will help us make some of those available and uh, I'd like for you to listen to that because I feel like it's something that we need to understand as a principle in our lives living for the Lord. And I just preached about uh, coming to church, going to church, just simply entitle it, Just Go to Church. And so uh, that seems simplistic. And I know when we're faced with some of our uh, problems and, and uh, challenges, and we think they're so big, and... And uh, all of that, we, we need to realize that it really is just that simple. When we get to the house of God, there's a word waiting for us there. The Spirit of God's waiting for us there. The strength of God is waiting for us there. Just come to the house of the Lord. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 28, and I'm going to go a little bit different direction than I have been on Wednesday nights. But, uh, you know, shake up every once in a while is good. Let's start with verse 1, and it shall come to pass if thou shalt hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord thy God to observe and to do all his commandments, which I command thee this day, that the Lord thy God will set thee on high above all nations of the earth. You've got to understand where they were at when this passage was given to them. They were just forming as a nation. This had been virtually a soul process pilgrim-type group of people, they had really not been a nation at all, and here the Lord is promising them that if you'll obey these commandments, then I'll make you a nation that is greater than any other nation. And all these blessings shall come on thee and overtake thee, if thou shalt hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God. Blessed shalt thou be in the city, and blessed shalt thou be in the field. Blessed shalt thou be in the fruit of thy body, and the fruit of thy ground, and the fruit of thy cattle, increase of thy kind, that's, that's cattle, and the flocks of thy sheep. Blessed shall be thy basket and thy store. Blessed shalt thou be when thou comest in, and blessed shalt thou be when thou goest out. The Lord shall cause thine enemies that rise up against thee to be smitten before thy face, and they shall come out against thee one way and flee before thee seven ways. The Lord shall command the blessing upon thee in thy storehouses and in all that thou settest thine hand unto, and he shall bless thee in the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee the lord shall establish thee a holy people unto himself and he hath sworn unto thee if thou shalt keep the commandments of the lord thy god and sh- will and will or will walk in his ways and all people of the earth shall see that thou art called by the name of the lord and they shall be afraid of thee and the lord shall make thee plenteous in goods and in the fruits Of thy body and the fruits of thy cattle and the fruits, fruit of thy ground and in the land, which the Lord swear unto thy fathers to give thee, the Lord shall open unto thee his good treasure, the heaven to give thee rain and to thy land in his season and to bless all the work of thy hand and thou shalt lend unto many nations, thou shalt not borrow, and the Lord shall make thee the head and not the tail. And thou shalt be above only, and thou shalt not be beneath. If that thou hearken unto the commandments of the Lord thy God, which I command thee this day, to observe and to do them, thou shalt not go aside, and thou shalt not go aside from any of the words which I command thee this day, to the right hand or to the left to go after other gods to serve them. He said, I'm going to make you the head, not the tail. I'm going to make you above and not beneath. And he said, the only thing is, the only contingency is that you've got to obey these laws and commands that I have set before you. And if you do so, and you don't go to the left, and you don't go to the right, you don't deviate, then you're going to be blessed. Blessed. And he tells them all the areas, all the aspects that they're going to be blessed in. And so I want to preach as a subject here tonight or teach whatever the Lord should lead us in. I want to talk about a a collision course with revival. A collision course with revival. Let's lift up our hands again to the Lord and let's pray that God would bless and help us. The remainder of this service, Jesus, we look to you again desiring your help, praying, God, for your touch. Pray your word would be blessed to the hearts of all of the hearers here tonight. Pray, God, that you would strengthen people and encourage people through your word. Pray, God, that we could leave encouraged, we could leave full of faith, we could leave inspired and knowing, God, that if we'll follow your word, if we'll live for you and walk according to your word, that you will bless our lives and you will help us in our day-to-day experience, and living for you. In Jesus' name we pray. And would you worship the Lord with me again? Let's give praise to Him right now. (laughs) Hallelujah. Come on, let's really give praise to the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you for standing, and you may be seated. These verses were, of course, laws and commands that was being given to the nation of Israel in the natural in that particular time period. But as you know, in studying the Old Testament, things that were given to them at that present time are often principles, and they are laws and commands that if followed, extend to us spiritually as a church. It may have been to them. Uh, natural and in the flesh a command for them as a physical nation but to us the blessing of it comes in a spiritual way and uh, we know that as scholars often say they were the sands of the sea and we are the stars of heaven so sometimes people uh, when they look at this in the word of the lord and they think about the promises that was given to Israel. They don't think of it always as being something that extends to us as a part of the church. But I want to tell you that all of the Word of God pertains to you. Not just some of it, not just one portion of it, uh, but all of the Word of God pertains to you in one way or another. It's applicable to us. Uh, sometimes we get a little confused and uh, we think, well, uh, this law and that law do we have to uh, you know, obey all the dietary laws uh, of the Old Testament as Israel did? Are we confined not to eat some of the things that they were not permitted to eat? And uh, are we allowed or not allowed to do certain things as far as the ceremonial law was concerned? But you understand that even dietary laws and even ceremonial laws... Uh, have a parallel oftentimes in the New Testament. It may not be something that we literally follow, but there is a parallel that is given and is teaching us something. Matter of fact, the Scripture says that the Old Testament is a schoolmaster. The old law is a schoolmaster to us that live under this new covenant. We live in the Holy Ghost. We experience and walk in the Holy Ghost, which is a great and glorious experience. And, matter of fact, uh, what those in the Old Testament have or had is inferior to what you and I possess today. This that we have, as the Hebrew writer said, is better, it's greater. And I'm thankful that I have the Spirit of God. I'm thankful that I get to walk in this new covenant. Amen. I'm thankful that in walking in this new covenant, that's how I please God. But I also understand that there's things that come from that that teach me. And there's moral laws that are given to us in the word of the Lord, such as the Ten Commandments. Ten Commandments would be a part of that, that uh, we still adhere to. And even more so than just that. That's just basic things. And if you read over there, and I can't recall the, the chapter because I really didn't plan on saying these things in the preliminary of this message tonight. But uh, I feel, uh, to go ahead and say it, uh, if you read over there in the book of John, as Jesus is talking about this, he said he, he didn't come to abolish the, law, abolish the law. He didn't come to destroy the law, but he came to fulfill it. And he also tells us that, uh, that we that have this experience and walk with him in this particular time in the new covenant, we have a higher responsibility, amen, that this doesn't mean that we're able because we live in the age of grace to get by with, with things necessarily, but uh, we have the power of the Spirit, and we have something that is stronger because the law was weak because it was of the flesh, uh, but uh, we have the Spirit of God that can enable us to walk with God and to please God. And to live for Him. Aren't you thankful for the grace of God that enables you? Praise the Lord. A lot of people don't understand what the grace of God is. They have trouble getting their mind around what the grace of God is. The grace of God is not a crutch that you lean upon necessarily. Just uh, to fall back on when you make mistakes. But the grace of God is a teacher to you. And uh, through the grace of God, yes... Uh, Part of it is that we get another opportunity, we get to try again, and we get to push reset. But in doing so, we do so with the attitude that I'm not going back to the pit from which I was dug. I'm not going to keep falling and tripping over these same mistakes and failures. But God's going to enable me to grow stronger through the power of His Spirit. That I can overcome this and I don't have to live in slavery to sin and to the flesh. Can somebody say praise the Lord? And so uh, people talk a lot about a collision course and what it means. And you hear this term a lot nowadays. You hear it uh, concerning different objects that may be on a collision course with one another. Uh, we, we know that we have air traffic controllers that are paid an enormous amount of money because their job is very stressful. You take uh, places like DFW Airport or Chicago O'Hare and different airports across the country, maybe like Atlanta, that are main hubs for airlines. And there's hundreds of flights, if not uh, up into the thousands of flights, that in a 24-hour period are going in and out of that airport. And uh, to keep all of that on schedule and to keep uh, those planes from colliding with one another is quite a task and a big responsibility. And that's why this job is considered one of the most stressful jobs in the country. It would probably have to be second to pastoring. Praise the Lord. I'm just kidding. Praise God. But anyway, uh, you know, you hear about planes oftentimes being on a collision course with one another, which kind of reminds me of an old story, and I may have told it before, about uh, Boudreaux and his friend Thibodeau that was up flying, and uh, they wanted to fly from their little village in Louisiana down to New Orleans and land down there and, uh, you know, go around the French quarters and do some shopping and stuff and then be able to fly home. So they were flying in to New Orleans International Airport in their little crop-dusting plane, And uh, when they were beginning to make their descent, he called into the airport and asked what runway he was to land on. And when he asked which runway uh, to land on, they said runway A. And he said, okay. And he began to uh, make his descent. And when he got a little bit closer, he looked at Thibodeau and he said, that runway is far too short for me to land this plane on. And so he pulled back out of his landing pattern and he called back to the air traffic controller and said are you certain that I'm supposed to land on runway a he said that landing strip looks way too short for me to possibly land this plane on they said well what size plane do you got he said well I got a crop dusting plane here just a little uh one engine plane with a propeller And uh, I just don't think I can land. They said, sir, we land DC-10s, we land 747s, 727s, all kinds of aircraft. You bring that thing right on in here, it'll make it. And so he said, well, I'm going to take your word for it. And he begins to make his descent again to land the plane. And when he gets a little closer, it's still just as short to him as it was before. And it doesn't seem like it's possible that he's going to be able to land the plane. And uh, he said, well, they said we could do it. He said, hang on, Tibiddoe. He said, because as soon as I set this thing down, I'm applying the brakes. He said, we're going to have to if we're going to get it shut down. So they, they start down. He lands it on this side of the runway just as close to the grass as he can. And he when he lands, he throws on the brakes, and the thing is skidding sideways and making black marks across the runway. And he skids all the way up to the edge of the concrete on the other side of the runway. And he finally finally brings it to a stop and wipes the beads of sweat off his forehead. And he said, Whoo! he said, man, Thibodeau, he said, that runway sure was short. He said, yeah, he said, Boudreaux, it's sure short. He said, but it sure is wide. He, Amen. He had landed in the wrong direction on the runway. So when collision courses are set, Somebody has to to make a correction. Somebody has to go a different way or there's going to be a collision. We hear this with not only airplanes but also other types of vehicles, maybe a ship on the sea. And uh, we've heard a lot about it with other countries recently, how that they've made close encounters. Maybe China or uh, Russia has made close encounters with our aircraft and there's almost been collisions in uh, airspace because of this. And maybe, maybe both parties do not even realize. The people on board may not even realize. Uh, I've heard of instances where uh, people in airplanes did not even realize what danger they were in. Just the people in the cockpit realized what was really going on and the danger that people was in. And you will often hear it referred to as the ill-fated vessel or the ill-fated airplane or vehicle that had a collision and that was on a collision course and did not realize it, that is moving unaware towards the other one and did not see that they were in danger. And at some point, they are going to meet. At some point, this one that's coming from that direction and this one that's coming from the other direction, they're going to meet. And if they continue on the same course, they are going to collide and there will be a collision. And one doesn't know it and the other perhaps doesn't know it, but they are on what we call a collision course. At a certain moment, if there is no deviation to the flight plan or to the course that they're taking, there's going to be a collision. And I am continually amazed at how... Technology works today and has afforded uh, people the ability to be able to predict with precision uh, when these collisions are going to take place. Uh, Astrologers, they can tell when there's going to be a meteor uh, collision and uh, they can almost predict the day and the time that is going to happen. They can tell us when. When uh, uh, one is going to make its way into our orbit and when to look for it. And, and when there's going to be a meteor shower or when the Halley's Comet is going to come by. and They can tell you this is a once in a hundred year event that you can see. Or they can tell you about an eclipse that is going to take place. And how there's going to be a lunar eclipse or there's going to be an eclipse concerning the sun. I remember when uh, I was in Hawaii, living in Hawaii, there was an eclipse of the sun, and uh, and uh, you know how uh, the moon and the sun line up just right and and uh, right in the middle of the day. It, it wouldn't happen just everywhere in the world at that particular time, but it happened uh, while we were living there in Hawaii. You were able to see it right during the midst of the day. There was an eclipse of the sun. It was kind of an unusual thing and something to witness. They tell me sometimes when this happens that. A wildlife is impacted by it. You know, the rooster, he doesn't know whether he's coming or going. He don't know whether to go roost or to, uh, to crow, that it's morning time. And he gets it all mixed up. And uh, the coyote he doesn 't know whether to go and spend his day in the den or to get out and howl at the moon he, he doesn 't know what 's going on he doesn 't realize what is happening because there is an eclipse that takes place. But my point is is that science has developed to the point that they can tell when this is going to happen. They can predict hurricanes that come through the gulf, and they can tell uh, just about where they are going to make landfall and when. They are going to make landfall. I just heard a story not long ago about Brother Joe Duke, and I had not heard this story. Many of you might remember Brother Joe Duke used to preach revivals here. Probably many of you or most of you were not here when he preached revivals here because it's been many years ago, and he's been dead, I think, for probably over 40 years. uh, But some probably do remember uh, or at least hearing about him, and he was a blind man but he could see through eyes of the Spirit better than 2020 vision. And he was able to prophesy and was used in the gifts of the Spirit and was just quite a an unusual man of God that was used to help churches and bring revival to the places that he would visit. And uh, one time he and Brother Burr, who was pastoring in Port Arthur, had kind of had a little dispute. And there he was preaching for Brother Majors, Brother Duke was, over... Uh, in Melville, and he was preaching there a revival, and there was a storm that was coming, a hurricane that was coming in the, in the Gulf. And he said, "All right, everybody." He said it was supposed to come right in there around Baton Rouge, right in there around Melville, and and it was a big bad storm. And he said, "All right, everybody." He said, "We're going to pray tonight." He said, "We're going to pray God move that storm and direct it over to Port Arthur." And uh, he said, "We're going to just pray that the it change its course and go that direction." I don't know. I don't know if uh, you know. We know that God doesn't honor every one of our feelings and every one of our uh, uh, moments when we're disappointed with somebody or we're aggravated with somebody. And thank God He doesn't. And he didn't for Brother Duke this time either. So the thing kind of wore on, and storm got a little bit closer. And finally, Brother Duke told told Brother Major, he said, "I'm gonna load up your girls." And he said, "We're gonna go, we're gonna go on." He said, uh, "We're gonna go on uh, up upstate a little bit." He said, "Oh no, brother." He said, "You prayed that thing would move over to Port Arthur." He said, "You can just stay here and ride it out with the rest of us." He said, "We got faith in your prayers and faith in God." And I think Brother Duke, by that point, had lost faith, and he was wanting to—he was wanting to evacuate. Praise God! But anyway, they can predict when storms are going to come, and they can tell just about the pattern of those things and where they're going to end up. They can tell you when a tsunami, where it's going to make landfall, many times, and when it's predicted to make landfall. Sometimes they miscalculate. Sometimes these things come by surprise because when you're talking about, say, the uh, Pacific Ocean, you're talking about something that is, uh, covers a large, expansive space, and they don't always know or are able to detect earthquakes that are taking place out there and, and the start of these things. But if, if they ever detect it out there, they can tell about what time period or what time frame it's going to land. It's amazing to me you can take an iPhone and you can say, I want to go uh, from here to Houston. It can tell you the best route and it can tell you your ETA, your estimated time of, uh, of arrival. I just about said your estimated time of revival, but estimated time of, re- of a, uh, arrival, praise God. Amen. I got revival on the brain. But uh, anyway, if you don't make any stops and if you don't turn off and if you don't deviate from your course, this is when you're going to arrive. Isn't that uh, something that is amazing, that is able to be done through technology, praise God. I can tell you that when a church sets its course, and there are ways that a church can set its course, and is consistent enough in certain key principles that the Word of God teaches us concerning revival, and they will set themselves a course of prayer and living for God and preaching and believing and standing firm for the truth and live a consecrated life, there is a collision course that is set. There is certain certain course that they have predetermined, and if they will stick with that and stay with that consistently, anointing is going to come. Revival is going to come. It's the Word of God, folks. It's not up to me, it's not up to you, it's not up to anybody else. It doesn't matter what devil fights it, it doesn't matter what resistance comes. If a church will stay that course, no matter how disappoint, disappointed they may come along the way, or what, what uh, trials may, may come, or persecution may come, if they will stay that course, there's blessings that's going to follow. There's favor of God that's going to come through it. Prayer, even in a person's life, can set your course. Amen. And uh, there's a spiritual course that is set through the habit of prayer and through being uh, consistent in it. The struggle is real sometimes in our flesh. Uh, our flesh doesn't always see the benefit of it, our flesh does, does not always want to do it. Sometimes our mind likes to drift and we, we, we think of other things to do, and we're tempted to, uh, to go about and, and do other things, and, and the fruits of our prayers are not always immediate. Uh, sometimes they're not answered overnight. Sometimes they're not answered, uh, you know, for, for some time. But we continue to stay that course and we continue to pray, and we continue to seek God and to be faithful to Him. And how many knows that faithfulness pays off, consistency pays off, when we continue in the course that we're supposed to, and we do not deviate, and we do not uh, back off, and we do not take another route, or we're not tempted to take a shortcut. But we just stay with the plan. We stay with the principles of the Word of God. God will help us. And we know that God has a preordained and orchestrated moment when those prayers are going to collide with answers. And those, uh, those years of faithfulness is going to collide with fruitfulness. And we know that there's going to be a time when it's going to come together. And God is going to reward. And God is going to bless. And God is going to answer. I'm so thankful that I'm serving a God that does not forget. I'm thankful that I'm serving a God that is faithful to us. I'm serving a God that keeps good records. He's watching us. He's watching some of you as you walk down that path. That well beaten path of prayer. That well beaten path of faithfulness. That well beaten path of, of studying and reading and absorbing the Word of God. That well beaten path of worshiping God when you don't feel like it. When you lack uh, when you lack sometimes the the desire to do so, but you go ahead and you, through through the Spirit, go ahead and and uh, discipline the flesh to go ahead and worship God and to give praise to the Lord. You sing when you don't feel like singing. You don't hang your harp on the willow and say, how can I sing the Lord's song in a strange land? But even in strange and unusual places in your walk with God. When the feeling is not not there and the inspiration has some way been sapped out of you, you still pick up your spiritual heart and you began to strum it and play and sing and worship and make a melody unto God and to rejoice in the Lord because you understand that God's all about faithfulness you understand that God's all about consistency if we walk for God with God by feelings and emotions and and uh, we just went Went after God, according to the ups and downs of our lives, we'd never obtain anything. We'd never be blessed. We'd never have the testimony that God is an answer to prayer. If you gave up just as soon as you had a feeling of discouragement, as soon as there was some type of disappointment, as soon as you did not feel what you like to feel, you stop worshiping then you're not going to make it you're not going to receive the blessing but the bible talks about that one that sets his hand to the plow and doesn't look back he talks about that one that endures to the end the same shall be saved talks about that one that makes up their mind and says what I do I'm going to do with all of my might and with all of my strength I may not feel all I'd like to feel but I'm still here doing it out of faith I'm still going to praise God thrust my hands in the air sing the songs of Zion and worship the Lord how about somebody worship him right now and give him praise right now Hallelujah, praise God, praise God, praise God. It's so important that we realize that. It's so important that we get that. Cornelius, Cornelius, the Bible says, was a daily man of prayer. He he continued every day to pray and he gave alms and it was one of consistency with him. It was something that he wasn't just up on a high at some time and down in the basement the other days. And when God was blessing and he felt good about it, then he was up here. And when things wasn't going so well, then he couldn't be found in the prayer room. He couldn't be found worshiping God. He didn't have everything he needed. He didn't have all the experience that he needed. But he did have one thing. He had a made-up mind. And he made up his mind, I'm hungry for God. I'm thirsty for the Lord. And God rewarded that. And the Bible says that his prayers stacked up as a memorial before God that God could not ignore. And this man that was a Gentile, this man that was not included in the covenants, this man that was not uh, one of the people of God as far as a Hebrew by birth. This man that was an alien to the commonwealth of Israel was able to get the door open. He was able to make his way in to the promises of God and experience what God's children had experienced. He was able to receive what they received. Why? Because of his consistency. How about Daniel? Daniel prayed, for one in twenty days, we sometimes think that because uh, we're praying and because we're crying out to God, that God must not be working. That God, God's not not doing anything about it. Uh, uh, nothing is is happening. Nothing is taking place. Nothing seems to be going right. Amen. I don't feel it. I don't feel like God's working in this situation. I don't feel the presence of God like I would like to feel it. Amen. But I want to encourage you, when you set the course, Daniel, the Lord sent a messenger angel to tell him that Michael had already been sent out to do war against the prince of Persia from the first day that Daniel began to pray 21 days before. That's right. Amen. So what was that saying? That was saying, Daniel, when you set your course, God set his course. Just because it hadn't came together yet. Just because there hasn't been a collision or colliding of God's will and your will just yet. Just because your prayers and the answer hasn't came together yet doesn't mean that God isn't working. I'm telling you, there's a great orchestrator in heaven that he's working behind the scenes. He's Working where you cannot see. That's why you should never stop praying. Amen. That's why sometimes even when it seems like it's getting worse instead of better, you have to realize that God is working all the while. The devil may be stirred up, but that may be a good indicator. That ought to encourage you that God may be working in ways that you cannot see yourself. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. That's why we must refuse We must refuse the temptation to stop. Praise God. I remember uh, he's passed on to be with the Lord now, uh, but a good friend of mine, his father, uh, Elder Raleigh, uh, he he, uh, every morning, I know for better than 40 years, every morning between the hours of 5, and I mean 5 on the dot, between 5 and 6, he prayed every morning. And his kids gave this testimony, and I've heard them recount this to me uh, several times. I've heard it from, he, he has several kids, and I heard in more than one tell how that he was so faithful in his prayer life. Didn't matter where they were, didn't matter what was going on, uh, he was going to pray that hour, he was going to give it to the Lord. And so uh, one time, his daughter said they were driving down the road on the interstate. And uh, they'd driven most of the eat or most of the night. Of course, it was getting morning now, and uh, five o'clock. He suddenly realized, "Hey, we're not to our destination, but it's my hour of prayer." And uh, he pulled right over to the side of the road, and he said, "All right." He said, "It's my time to pray." He said, "If you one of you all want to drive, you're welcome to drive. I'll get in the bed of the truck, and I'll pray back there, and you guys can drive on." But he said, uh, "Otherwise, he said, I'm just going to step down here on the side of the road and pray." And they said, "Well, we got to get on, Dad." And he said, "Okay." And he got right up in the bed of that truck and laid down in the bed of that truck and kept on praying. And uh, after an hour or so, knocked on the window, said, "Pull over." He said, "I want to drive." Huh? Uh, uh, I've done with my prayer meeting. And when they pulled over, he got back in the driver's seat. But he wasn't going to miss that hour of prayer. And somebody may think that's foolish, and somebody might think that's far out. And somebody may think that's just too much. But today, and, and during his ministry, I mean, he was a faithful man of God, Pastor churches. There was great things that happened in those churches. But uh, that was not the fruition of all of those prayers that that man prayed. But to this day, he still seeing. I believe, from the balconies of heaven, still witnessing these prayers that he uh, prayed being brought to fruition. Every one of his children, uh, the daughters are married to pastors, and the sons are pastors themselves. Every one of his children involved in ministry and the work of God. And some of those men, they're experiencing great revival in their churches today. And then his grandsons, some of them, many of them actually are beginning to preach and, and uh, beginning to start their ministries and going out and being used of the Lord in great ways and uh, tremendous things happening. I believe it all goes back to a man that set a course for his family, a man that set a course for his life. And he left a legacy not only for himself and not only for his immediate uh, family that was That was old enough to be able to recognize it then, but even for generations that maybe were not there to witness that and experience that for themselves, but they're still being touched by it. I'm going to tell you prayer leaves a legacy. When you pray and when you have a life of prayer, you can expect results. You don't need to let the devil beat you up and kick you around and make you think that it's not working. I'm going to tell you, you can leave a legacy. When you pray and when you get a hold To God, it's something that lives beyond you. I read over there in the book of Revelation about those prayers uh, being. Uh, kept and those tears of, of the saints being poured back out and the odors of those prayers being poured back out upon the earth. I'm going to tell you, when people pray, they leave a legacy. They leave a legacy. When you're consistent with it, you're building up things. You're leaving things behind. Amen. That's going to be a blessing to not only you, but to your family. Oh, come on, let's lift up our voices unto the Lord and give Him praise right now. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, would you lift up your hands to Him and let's give Him praise right now. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Unbeknownst to you, Many times God is working and sending the blessing in your direction. But if you stop, if you slow down, it's not going to happen. Because we know that God works by his own timing. But there is a timing of God. And I, I feel like that we've got to get on God's time clock. And we've got to work according to God's will and God's purpose and stay synchronized with Him and in His will, praise the Lord, in order to intersect with God's blessing, in order for there to be that, that colliding between what we're desiring from God and those things being fulfilled in our life. Uh, you'll get off God's schedule if you're not careful, if you ease up, because the temptation is as i don 't have to be quite as intense about it i don 't have to be as passionate about it i mean summer's coming on and i i am I'm, I'm tired and wore out and i 'm going to do this or that i 'm going to tell you people that are always uh, you know you can wear out a good clutch if, if you 're always riding it and and always always uh shifting gears and and uh, you you you're always you, you, can't, you, you one one time you're you 're all on fire and the next day we we can 't tell you i mean you're M.I.A. the next time. You know, I mean, you're you're up and down. You're hills and valleys. I mean, some people in the walk with God, I, I just kind of like shrug my shoulders thinking, my God, how hard is it just to be consistent in living for God? Amen. To come to me one day and ready to have revival and set the world on fire. And then we wonder if they're even going to make it a week from then. And it's and it's that reoccurring vicious cycle that you got to break out of at some point if you're really going to be successful living for God. If you're really going to see the blessings of the Lord, you're never going to find yourself intersecting with the blessings of God the way that you could as long as you're living your life like that. Praise the Lord. As long as you don't get a pace. Runners know that you got to have a pace. Amen. A marathon runner, he isn't going to run the marathon like he runs a 100-yard dash. He gets a pace. And he stays with that pace. And he may feel like he could run faster at that time, but he knows that he's going to be crawling across the finish line if he doesn't start at a reasonable pace and keep that pace. And it's so important in your walk with God that you learn how to keep a pace in living for the Lord. Amen. I would rather somebody... Somebody not be as boisterous and and as a, a big flash and be consistent in their walk with God. Just consistently pay their tithes. Just consistently show up to church. Amen. Just consistently worship in God. Come on, what would be wrong with that consistently being a worshiper? Amen. We have some people that seem like they just about wear this carpet out on certain times. and they uh, I mean, we can almost set a clock by you on certain schedules and seasons of your life. You're going to be on fire right now. It's getting up about time uh, uh, that we're going to do this or that. And so I want to get in here and get on fire so they'll use me in that certain area. And then suddenly you fade out uh, like a Roman candle. Just, I mean, just. Just, just, just in a little while. I'm going to tell you, that's no way to live for God, and you're not being much of an example to your family when you do it that way. you got to be consistent. you got to stand strong. you got to stand up and be a man or a woman of God and make up your mind. I'm going to stay this course. I'm going to keep this pace. I'm going to live for God. I'm not just going to be on fire one day and a wet blanket the next and down in the mouth the next and critical the next and, and come in here dragging my bottom lip on the floor and and looking for excuses of why I can't worship God and why I can't pray and not being fervent and we can't hear an amen out of you, I'm going to tell you, that's not of God. You need to be consistent living for the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And it'll pay off. I'm telling you this for your own benefit. It'll pay off if you'll be consistent. You know how people can live for God 40 years and and 45 and 50 years. And we've got some in this building that have done that and longer. Amen. You know how they do that? They don't do that just running out of the gate, taking off down the track and not thinking about the future. They find a pace and they make up their mind. Amen. I'm going to be a Wednesday night Christian. I'm going to be a Sunday morning, Sunday night Christian. I'm going to worship God in the good times and the bad times. I'm going to read my word. I'm going to live for God right. I'm not going to mess around. I'm not going to look for excuses. I'm going to obey the teachings of the church. I'm going to adhere to the word of God. I'm not going to look for reasons to be offended. I'm not going to get puffed up over every little thing that goes on. Amen. I'm gonna realize that I gotta be bigger than that if I'm gonna live for God. You'll get blown out is if you can find, uh, amen, a reason to be offended, you'll be blown out before the water gets hot. The way you live for God is you keep a forgiving spirit. The way you live for God is you keep your your knees on the floor praying and crying out to the Lord. The way you live for God is you keep coming back to church just like I preached about on Sunday night. You keep coming back to church and you keep thrusting your hands in the air when you don't feel like it. Can I just talk to us tonight in the Holy Ghost? Seems like here lately we've been kind of up against a little bit of a wall of resistance and seems like there's been just a little bit uh, uh, and I'm not saying it's anybody. I'm thinking it's just spiritual resistance and maybe people going through things and and perhaps trials that people may be engaged in right now. But I'm going to tell you this too shall pass if you will make up your mind that I am going to stay the course. If you'll make up your mind I'm going to be a worshiper good times, bad times hallelujah and I'm going to tell you something else especially if you're used in an area of leadership in this church if you're used up front here we don't need somebody that can come up here one time and seem like you're on top of your world and the next day we don't know if you're going to make it living for God you're not doing yourself any favors. People do not see you as a leader when you do it like that. People do not see you. Come on, I made up my mind when I came in here, I got a responsibility. I'm going to put my game face on. I'm not going to come in here showing whether or not I've had a good or a bad day. Every day's a good day living for the Lord. I said, Every day's a good day living for the Lord. Come on, this is the day that the Lord had made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Praise God. I'm not going to come in here. You think I never have any bad days? You think I don't ever get down? You think there's never any discouragement in Pastor Calhoun's life? You think there's never anything that goes against me? But I made up my mind a long time ago. You can't be consistent coming in here, and one day people don't know how to take you. They don't know how. Are you down about something or what's going on? Oh, boy, we're going to have a service tonight. He's going to really rake us over the coals tonight because look at him. Look at his demeanor. Look at he must be down about something something been bothering him he's upset no you can't live for God like that you can't be a leader like that you can't be what you need to be for God like that you'll never get off first base if you don't understand that I got to be somebody that is consistent in my relationship with the Lord hallelujah 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 praise God wonder why wonder why got troubles, got problems, up and down. I'll tell you why. Because you've got to learn how to be consistent in your prayer life and in your attendance to the house of God and your faithfulness to the Lord. This just doesn't work. As long as you're doing it half-hearted, you'll never get the blessings out of it. But when you go all in, you can see that this thing, God always prospers it. God always makes it work for us. Can you say praise the Lord? Somebody says, well, why is the pastor... Pushing us at times. Why does the pastor want us to be intense? Why is he so driven? Why is he always always pushing us to pray and worship? I'm going to tell you why. Because we cannot afford to slow down. Because we're on an intersecting path with revival. And we've got to push on. We've got to be what we can be. Amen. And do all that we can do if we're going to see the blessings of God. Otherwise, we lose ground. Otherwise, we fall by the wayside. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God, praise God. Amen. We're on a collision course with revival, and I, I want God to do it, and I don't want it to be one of those things we got to loop back around and start over again because we lost our pace somewhere along the way. Amen. That, that's the temptation is to deviate, get off course. I mean, I've looked at Google Maps sometimes and said, My Lord, looks like you could go right down through here and cut off a lot of time. But you know what? Siri, I don't necessarily like her voice, and sometimes she gets on my nerves, but she does know what's best sometimes. Uh, may say, go down through here, and it knows the speed limit. It knows that there's not as much traffic it knows where there's construction zones you ever seen that little deal on there on your phone where it's all red along that road or or yellow or maybe it's uh uh, it shows that there's traffic there an accident there and traffic's backed up and uh dan and i was riding up to uh, funeral i think it was or no it was up to see his brother in little rock when he was in the hospital and and you know, 30's been tore up for a good year now, or longer. And uh, we was coming back, and man, looked like a red ribbon for miles down through there. And I said, man, there's got to be a better way. And we got to messing around there on Google and trying to figure that deal out. And we got to thinking maybe this way. And we got down there, and it looked like it went right out and ended up in a cow pasture somewhere. We started around, turn around this way. And uh, I've seen places around here that i would never seen before. And we was trying to make our way around traffic, trying to get around. And uh, that happens, you know, sometimes. And, and you know, Abraham, God said, if you'll do it this way, I'll bless you. It may not happen when you want it to, but if you'll stay on this course, I'm going to allow you to intersect with great blessings and revival, and you're going to become a great nation, and your people is going to be numbered with the sands of the seas and the stars of the sky. And 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 Abraham got impatient, and he deviated from God's plan. Uh, we know that the children of Israel they got tired of waiting on Moses. I said, "Man, we've waited a long time for Moses to come back. He's forgot about us. He's up there in the presence of the Lord. He's forgot all about us being down here. And uh, why don't we why don't we just make our own God and do our own style of worship down here? And as a result, it set the people of God back. It set them back." And uh, I'm going to tell you, any time we deviate from God's plan, we don't just stay consistent to him and his word, we're setting ourselves back. We're forfeiting great blessings in our life. Collisions happen suddenly, and sometimes they happen unexpectedly, or they happen when we're uh, most unaware of it. I'm going to tell you, sometimes in a spiritual sense, that's just the way it happens. You think, well, it's going to happen. There's going to ha- it's going to happen in this revival that's coming up, or it's going to happen on this special day, or it's going to happen at this special time, or it's going to happen because this preacher came to town, or that preacher came to town, or he laid hands on me, or he prayed for me, or he was preaching, or that happened to be the one that was preaching when I got the Holy. Spirit. When he comes back, I'm going to get something special when he comes back this time. I'm going to tell you, it may not work like that. It may be just on a Wednesday night, just like this, that you're worshiping God and you decided, you know what? The old flesh worked hard today. I'm weary in body. Amen. I I may not feel like there's anything different about this day than any other day, but I'm going to the house of God. I'm going to live and, and serve God with consistency. And while you're worshiping and singing the songs on a Wednesday night, I think it was Brother Sellers. We've been praying for Brother Sellers for a long time. And it was many years ago on a Wednesday night right up here in this altar when God filled him with the Holy Ghost. Somebody says, hey, what, what do you got to have? You got to have some kind of special something. I'm going to tell you, consistency always pays off. I said, it always pays off. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. What about Simeon in the Bible who just kept going back, said, the Lord gave me a promise that before I die, I'm going to see the Messiah. And he kept getting up every morning, kept putting his clothes on and and, uh, and dressing himself and combing his hair with the expectation that this could be the day that's the way you need to come to church is this could be the service that God chooses to give me fresh anointing this could be the service that God chooses to work in my life in a way that I've been praying for him too for a long time this could be I don't care if it's Wednesday Sunday morning Sunday night you need to come set on ready you need to come set on go that this could be the service that God wants to bless me in Oh, hallelujah. Let's clap our hands to him again. Let's give him praise. Hallelujah. 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 Praise God. Praise God. Acts chapter 1, the Bible talks about how that because of Judas, Judas stepping outside of the will of God and being eventually rejected by God, and we know the terrible fate of Judas, that it came time in Acts chapter 1 to replace him. And they were going to cast lots. But they said the only eligible people, when you look at this, I think it's uh, chapter 1, verses uh, 21 through 22, it said they must have accompanied with us all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out, beginning from the time of the baptism of John or when Jesus was baptized by John. Unto the same day that he was taken from us. We can't have somebody replace Judas that hasn't been consistent. We can't have somebody step into this role and be an apostle for the church that has not been with us and not been consistent from the beginning. We can't just take and accept a Johnny Come Lately on this deal. This is way too important, and this is way too. This is what the church is going to be established on. The Bible said it's established uh, upon the apostles' doctrine, and uh, and Jesus Christ being the chief cornerstone. This this is going to be in the foundations of heaven. These names are going to be written in the foundations of heaven. This 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 is a person that has to be inconsistent. This can't be a flash in the pan. We're we're looking for Pentecost. We're looking for the blessings of God. We're looking, we're on a collision course with revival. And if we're not careful, we'll lose every bit of momentum that we've got. If if there's somebody that kind of interlopes here and tries to get involved here that hasn't been consistent. We're looking to bless somebody that's been consistent. I'm going to tell you, that's the people that God still anoints. That's the people that God still blesses, is people that are consistent for him. Hallelujah. hallelujah. Acts chapter 3, one of the greatest revivals of the entire New Testament. 5,000 people before uh, that episode was over with received the Holy Ghost. That's a pretty big revival by anybody's standards. And the scripture says that it started with, we think it started with Peter and John coming up at the hour of prayer, but it really started with, people that are unsung heroes that are not named in this scripture that the Bible says that carried daily this man and laid him at the gate beautiful. Daily. They didn't know that this day that the man was healed was going to be any different than any other day. But they just daily carried him. They just daily brought him. Praise the Lord. I'm going to tell you, when you learn to live for God, not by the week or from Sunday night to Sunday night and from shout to shout, but you learn to live for him daily, amen, that's when you're going to see the miracles. Because just as sure as you decide that I, oh, I just don't know, that may be the very day that God wants to answer that prayer. That may be, and you're setting yourself back, but not being consistent for God. Can you say praise the Lord? Hallelujah. The Bible talks about in the book of Luke, chapter number 1, a priest by the name of Zechariah who was of the course, a priest. He uses all these boring terms. It says he walked in all of the commandments and the ordinances of the Lord, and that was quite a duty to fulfill. You look at all of those obligations that they had and how detailed they were. And it was according to the custom. You know, all of that seems like pretty boring terms. But he just kept discharging his duty and doing what he was called to do. And the angel of the Lord said, Fear not, Zechariah, for thy prayer is heard. And you're going to have a son. And I know it seems like it's out of time with you, but it's not out of time with God. You've been working and living and going according to this course for a long time. But you didn't know that now in these elder years you're fixing to see that you've been on a collision course with God's blessings for a long, long time. It's just now time for God to work it out. Hallelujah. I want to preach to somebody here tonight that I feel like that has lived for God for a long time and you've prayed some of the same prayers. I want to encourage you in the Holy Ghost. I believe I'm preaching to, I didn't feel this necessarily when I prepared this tonight but I feel it now that there's people like Zechariah. you feel like well it's you know the best years of my life are behind me The best days of my living for God have got to be in the past. I've lived for God all these years, and what I prayed for, some of it's happened, but not all of it's happened. I'm going to tell you, you're still on a collision course with God's blessings, and God is going to fulfill those things in your life. If you can keep believing Him and not deviate and not back up, but make up your mind, I'm going to stay steady and believe God. Why don't you stand to your feet right now, and let's lift up our hands to the Lord and give Him praise together.